The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Rosh Hashanah. Masechet Rosh Hashanah has been sponsored by Mr. Soli and Cheryl Mizrahi. Hashem Alehem Yihyu for the Hatzlacha of both of their families, for Bezat Hashem, health, happiness, Rab continued success, and of course, uh, much nachat and uh, pleasure from their children. Hiratzon, in the zechut of their dedication to the Masechet Rosh Hashanah, they will be zocher for good judgment, they will be zocher for good beracha and mazal in all their endeavors. Amen. Today's daf has been dedicated in memory of Shoshana Bat Atara, dedicated by his son Ovadia Musali. Daf Yud Tet. Today's daf is being studied. Abraham ben Esther. Hashem Amen. Today's daf is being studied. Katzin ben Altun. That is your side is today. Hashem Amen. Today's daf is being studied. Eliyahu. Hayim ben Shafia, Sophia. Enna refanano, enna refanano, enna refanano. For the nefesh, or for the guf, we are talking about the love of Chenyan Asom and Omar. Amen. We begin today's daf on Yutet, right on the top line. Now let us give a just an introduction, so we know exactly where we're jumping into today's sugya. In yesterday's piece, we learned about a scroll that was in the times of the Beit Hamikdash. That scroll was called Megillat Taanit. Ironically, Megillat Ta'anit has in it all the dates where you're not allowed to fast. Because different miracles happen to the Jewish people on those days. Now some of those days are so special that the Achamim said you're not allowed to eulogize on them as well. Now there's a great debate amongst the Achamim. After the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, was Megillat Ta'anit still in effect or not? One logic says that it's not in effect. Because just like we know that the four fast days, that would be Shabbat Asad Tammuz, Asad and uh, let's say Tzom Gedalyat, Shabbat those fast days when the Beit HaMikdash was around were considered holidays. They were Yamim of Sasson and Sumha. When the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, they reverted to go back to becoming fast days. So the logic would be that just like those days reverted from happy days to fast days, also the days of Megillat Ta'anit that were originally holidays revert back to become viable or eligible to fast on them if the rabbis deemed it fit. Another Sevarah says, no, the only days that revert back to fast days are the, are the words that are the ones that are written in the Pasuk. Soma Revi'i, Soma Hamishi, Soma Shivi'i, and Soma Asiri. Only those. But Megillat Ta'anit is viable even after the Beta Megdash. And therefore they remain Yamim Tovim. So the Gemara then brought a challenge. The challenge was that there was a certain day, it was actually the third day of Tishri, where the rabbis instituted a landmark ruling, and they said that no longer can the name of God be mentioned in Shtarot. Why? When the Greeks came in their time against the Jewish people, they made a gezerah that the Jewish people are not allowed to verbally mention God's name. Anybody that would even verbally mention Hashem's name would be punished. 
when the Hashmonai family came along and overpowered the Greeks, they went to the other extreme. They said, not only are we going to now verbally mention God's name, but we're making a new takana. And any legal document that a person writes, a person, for example, lends money to his friend, etc., he has to write a shtar. In the shtar, we're going to put God's name in the shtar. So they went to the extreme. And they would date the shtarot, for example, they would write, uh, this shtar is being written in the fourth year of Yohanan Kohen Gadol Le'el Elyon. So they would put El Elyon, which is God's name, in the Shtarot. This was the Takanab the Hashunaim. And this, this uh, Ben Hag became rampant in Klai Yisrael. Everybody would put God's name in the Shtarot. The rabbis were very upset at such a takana. Even though the Hashmanaim instituted, the rabbis were against it. Why? Because they know the nature of shtarot. Once a person pays the shtar, pays the debt, what do you do with the shtar? You rip it up, you throw it in the garbage. So the rabbis were concerned as Hashem. You have God's name written in the shtarot, that's going to be, become uh, uh, disrespected. So they came along and they voted, the rabbis, against this takana, and you have to uproot it. They have to understand, usually a minhag that becomes very popular amongst the people, it's not so simple to uproot it. And the, the rabbis miraculously, and I say the word miraculously, because Rashi says it was a miracle, they had great success, and on the third day of Tishri, they were able to uproot this minhag, and the people accepted to stop writing God's name in the Shtarot. The rabbis felt it was such a momentous day, that they said that this was going to be a holiday. And nobody's allowed to fast on Gimel Tishri, on the third day of Tishri. Now, now, before we get to that, so comes the Hakamim and say, if you're telling me, the assumption was that this happened after the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. So if you're telling me that what, that Megillah Ta'ani, the dates that were in the Megillah were uprooted already, all the more so they're not going to add new days, if the ones that were in existence became nullified, you're going to go add another day? Must be that what the Megillah Ta'anit is still viable. And therefore, the rabbis, even after the Beit Mikdash, came and added an extra day. So that's a proof to the opinion that says Megillah Ta'anit was not Batim. So to that, the Gibbara says, No, what are you talking about? You don't know the history. You know when this story happened? This story happened, The story happened the temple was still around. So when the temple was still around, everybody agrees Megillah Ta'anit was still eligible, viable. And therefore, certainly you could add extra days to the Megillah Ta'anit. So now the Gemara comes along and begins. This is what are you talking about? If you tell me it's in the times of the Beit Hamikdash, I don't need Megillah Ta'anit to make Gimel Tishri a holiday. Gimel Tishri is a holiday already because that was the day, if you remember, that Gedaliah was murdered. Now, during the times of the destruction, that was a fast day. But once the law when the Beit HaMikdash became rebuilt, all those fast days turned out to become holidays. So the Gemara is telling me, what do I need Megillah Ta'ani to make Gimel Tishri a holiday? Gimel Tishri is a holiday regardless. That's the, that, that was the day for Tzom Gedaliah, which reverted back into a Yom Tov. So what's Megillah Ta'ani's benefit over here? Amar Rav lo ela le'esor et shelefanav. No, there's a benefit of making it from Megillah Ta'anit. Because any of the days that are written in Megillah Ta'anit, not only is that day forbidden to fast, but the rabbi said the day before is also. So therefore, there's a Hadush in saying it was from Megillah Ta'anit. Because now not only Gimel Tishri is going to be Asur, but Bet Tishri also is going to be Asur. So the Gemara says, Shelefanav nameti pukle dehavele yom shelachar rosh chodesh. So hold it. We have a standing rule that 
Rosh Chodesh, you can't fast. And Achamim said, you cannot fast as well on the day after Rosh Chodesh. And therefore Rosh Chodesh is Aleph Tishri. So Bet Tishri is already forbidden because it's the day after Rosh Chodesh. So what do you have to tell me, Migilat Ta'anit airing you the day before Gimat Tishri? The day before Gimat Tishri is also the day after Rosh Chodesh. The day after Rosh Chodesh is Asur, regardless. Kibra says, no, it's not so. Rosh Chodesh de Oraita. The establishment of Rosh Chodesh is a Torah law. Odoraita lo ba'echizuk. Torah laws do not need strengthening. Which means like this. Why would the rabbis or said in the Megillat Tani the days before? Because since these are rabbinical days, the rabbis need to strengthen the rabbinical days. Because people usually treat rabbinical days lightly. So the rabbis came home and said, you know what? Not only is it a sutta fast on this day, but we're telling you it's a sutta fast the day before. That people get scared. They say, oh, it must be rabbinical laws are serious. But on the Oraita laws, you don't have to strengthen it. People already have fear from the Oraita law. And therefore, if it was from Rosh Chodesh, you wouldn't have to fast the next day. Because Rosh Chodesh is the Oraita. Everybody knows you can't fast on Rosh Chodesh. And therefore, no, you don't need to strengthen it by saying, not only Rosh Chodesh, but the day after. So therefore, really, Bet Tishri would be Mutan. The only reason why it's Asur is because the rabbis made from Megillat Ta'anit, the third of Tishri, a holiday because of the day that they ridded God's name from the Shtarot. Therefore, the Hadushis are not only Gimel Tishri, is Asur, even the day before, because since it's rabbinical, the rabbis need to strengthen their words. The Tanya, because we have a bright These days that are written Asurin You should know they're asur to fast the day after as well as the day before. However, Shabbatot tovim, but Shabbat and Yom Tov Hem Asurim. They themselves are asur to fast. Mutarim. So the Gemara says, What's the difference between Shabbat and the days of Megillah Ta'anid? Halalu devre Torah. Of course, the Shabbat and Yom Tov is mena Torah. The end of the Torah, Sirichim, Hizuk. And the Torah does not need strengthening. However, Halalu devre Sofrim. But the first days of Megillah Ta'anid are only rabbinical by nature. The devre Sofrim, Sirichim, Hizuk. And therefore, we're back to our proof. And we're saying that really what? Megillah Ta'anid was in effect. And therefore the Hiddush is that even though it was the, uh, the, the day itself was, was mutar, it was permissible to make a holiday because it was some gedalia, and you're telling me it was the time of the Bet HaMikdash, and therefore that day already was uh, a Yom Tov, because all the fast days reverted to become Yamim to him, still it's a benefit to use Megillat Ta'anid, because by using Megillat Ta'anid, it's going to forbid the day before. So comes the Gemara and says, well, hold it. The day before already is Asur, because it's the day before Tzom Gedaliah. And the rabbis established that what? When we have a holiday of Tzom Gedaliah, and it turns into a holiday, so just like the holiday itself is Asur to fast, so the day before is Asur as well. Which means, what do you need? Bet Tishri is Asur, because it's the day before Tzom Gedaliah, which now is a holiday. Uh, the, in, in the enactment of Tzom Gedaliah to make it a holiday is called the Vrei Kabbalah. That's an enactment of the prophets. And the an enactment of the prophets is like a law from the Torah. And just like a law from the Torah does not need Hizuk, 
you don't have to also the day before. So to uh, uh, prophets when they enacted a law, you also don't need Hizuf. So therefore, the Gemara says, the only reason why they had to use Megillat Ta'anit for the third day of Tishri is to forbid Bet Tishri. Because Bet Tishri would not be Asur. If it was from Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh is Medorite, I don't have to also the next day. If it was from Som that turned to a holiday, I would not also the day before, because Som Gedalyah is the Vrei Kabbalah. The Vrei Kabbalah is also like the Vrei Torah, and you don't need Hizuk. So the only reason why Megillat Ta'anit was needed to Oseh, or to Oseh Gimel Tishri, was for the day before. Because once it's already, it's rabbinical through Megillat Ta'anit, not only is that day a to fast, but the day before becomes a to fast. Why? Because the Vrei Rabbanan Sirichim Hizuk. The words of the rabbis need strengthening. So therefore, Megillat Ta'anit had a purpose why the rabbis had to institute the fa- the holiday of <laughs> Gimal Tishri. The Gemara continues, Matif Rav Tubi Bar Matna. Rav Tubi Bar Matna brings a question. On the 28th of Adar. As she says, referring to the 28th month, 28th day of Adar. Atat Bisurta Taftali Hudae. Good news came to the Jewish people. That they are not going to have to stop learning Torah. Which means they're going to be able to continue to study the Torah. Why? What happened? That the wicked kingdom made a that That the Jewish people are not allowed to study Torah. Nor the shades to circumcise their children. Shabbatot. And they have to be mehalel Shabbat. What did Yehuda bin Shamu and his friends do? They went to a certain mistress or lady. All the big Roman, uh, big wigs of Rome, the political figure used to find themselves by this lady. And therefore she had a good understanding of exactly what's going on inside the uh, doings of the government. So they went to her for advice. Maybe she'll tell them something, how to overturn the decree. So she says to them, Go tonight and cry out in the marketplaces in order that the uh, princes of Rome will hear your crying and they'll have mercy on you. That was her, uh, that was her advice. So the rabbis went out at night in front of the political area where the princes of Rome were. Amru, and they said in their cryings, Eishamayim, you know, woe to the heavens, means, for the sake of God, lo ahaychem anachnu, are we not your brothers? She says, we come from Yaakov, you come from Isav, aren't Yaakov and Isav brothers? Velo bene avehad anachnu, don't we come from the same father? We both come from Yaakov, we both have the same lineage. Velo bene em ahat anachnu. Aren't we from the same mother? Would you be both descend from Rivka that had Yaakov and Isab in the womb? Why do you treat us differently than any nation and any denomination? Why are you picking on us for? Why are you giving us all these type of gezerot kashot? And the Gemara says, When they heard the cries of the rabbis, there was mercy that went into the Romans' hearts, and they had mercy on Amis, and they nullified the decree. And that day, the 28th of Adar, the rabbi said, we're making it a Yom Tov, fasting is forbidden. 
if you're telling me that what? Megillat Ta'anit. Those days were nullified. Everything's written in Megillat Ta'anit. Kamaita Batul. The original ones, you're nullified. Aharanaita. Musifin. Well, you're going to add new ones? If you got rid of the old ones, now you're going to start adding new days? So the Gemara says, V'chitema hakanamim b'zman shemit ha-medash kayam. So maybe you'll tell me, hold it. How do you know when this happened, this story? Maybe this happened in the time of the Beit HaMikdash. And therefore, everybody agrees in the time of the Beit HaMikdash, Begilat Ta'anit was still viable. So the Gemara, what are you talking about? We know it couldn't have been in the times of the Beit HaMikdash. V'ha Yehuda ben Shamua Talmidot Shodabi Meir. We know this rabbi that made this miracle was Yehuda bin Shamuwa. Yehuda bin Shamuwa was a student of Rabbi Meir. The Rabbi Meir Batar And we know Rabbi Meir definitely lived after the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. We just know the history. Now Rashi gives us the history. It's worthy to read it inside. Look at the Rashi. The Rabbi Meir Batar Hurban Haba. Rabbi Meir was after, after the Hurban. Kamadorot. Several generations after the Qurban. We know that the Beit Tamidash was destroyed in the times of Rabbi Yohanan ben Zakai. Who was the student of Rabbi Yohanan ben Zakai? Rabbi Li'ezer. And Rabbi Akiva was the student of Rabbi Li'ezer. So therefore we know already if the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed in Rabbi Yohanan's time, so you have a few generations, Rabbi Li'ezer, Rabbi Akiba, Rabbi Meir. So for sure by Rabbi Meir's time there was no Beit HaMikdash. And this Rabbi Yehuda was the student of Rabbi Meir. And therefore for sure it was talking about after the Beit HaMikdash. Now the Gemara is just going to prove to us, how do you know that Yehuda bin Shamua was a student of Rabbi Meir? So we go back to the Gemara. The Gemara says, Ditnan, two lines on the bottom, because we have a Mishnah, Kli zechokhit shenikkebu. You have a you have a glass, glass dish. Halakha says so long as the glass dish is complete, it has the ability to mekabel tumah. It's able to receive contamination. For example, a sheritz, a dead rodent falls on it, or it's in a house where there's a mat. The keli has the ability to become tameh. Now, how does a glass dish lose its tumah? One of two ways: either you dip it in the mikveh, or if it breaks. If it breaks, so it loses its tuba. It's like a kiliharis. The law of kiliharis is shviratan zuhi taharatan. That when they break, they become tahor. So the case of here is like this. Klizechuchi chirikibu. You had a klizechuchi that was tameh. What happened? Got a hole in it. So what did the guy do? Vetif letochan avar. He took lead, metal, lead, and he plugged up the hole. So now the keli is complete again. Rashbag Rabban Shemom Gamliel Amar Rabban Shemom Gamliel Rabban Shemom said Yehuda ben Shamuah Metamem Mishum Rabbi Meir Amazing Hadush He says that what? According to Yehuda ben Shamuah That says in the name of his rabbi Rabbi Meir Incidentally that's the proof That you see Yehuda ben Shamuah's rabbi Was Rabbi Meir But what does he say? It's Tameh How is it Tameh? Normally we have a law that says Once something breaks The Tumah goes off once you fix the keli, the tumah doesn't come back. This is called tumat hazara. We don't say that the tumah returns back. However, there's a law like this. By metal kelim, by metal vessels, the law is, if they were complete, and they had tumah, and the metal vessel broke, and you fixed it, the tumah comes back. 
But this is not a metal vessel. This is a glass vessel. But since you fixed it with metal, and it's the metal lead that's keeping the vessel together, so therefore this glass vessel has a deen of metal. And therefore the hazara of tum'ah comes back. That's called the deen of a ma'amid. Ma'amid is something that holds up the keli. Since the keli zikuchit is being sustained by a piece of metal, Rabbi Meir holds, this is Kli Matechet. And this Kli Matechet has the law of Tum'at Hazara, so this as well. Let's read that on the bottom, Rashi. Yehuda bin Shamua Metameh. That's the last Rashi on the Daftik. Lomar, what does he say? Shehazru netum'atam yeshana. Right, the old Tum'ah returns. V'afabi shelon nag'u shuv betum'ah. Even though it didn't touch any new Tum'ah. This the old Tum'ah that's returning. Even though the law is glass vessels, do not have this law of Tum'ah Yishana. The law of Tum'at Hazara only applies to metal. These vessels, since the lead is sustaining the vessel, which you plumped it up with lead, it's considered like metal. Everything goes after the ma'amiz. So what did you learn from this, by the way? You learned here that Rabbi Meir was the rabbi of Yehuda ben Shamua. We know Yehuda ben Shamua was after the Beit HaMikdash. And what? We see in his time they established the 28th of Adar as a holiday. So what do you see? It must be Begilat Ta'anit was still around. Because they're adding new days. Not only are they keeping the days that they have, but they're adding new days. Now incidentally, regarding this law of the vessel that broke, we go to the Amud Bet, Hachamim Mitaharin. Hachamim say no. A glass vessel that breaks and you plug it up with lead, it's tahor. We don't say that the tum'ah comes back. Let's read the top of the sheet, please. Because the rabbi's logic is we go after the majority of the vessel. The majority of this vessel is what? It's glass. We don't go after the ma'amid. We don't go after the plugging up of it that's keeping it a keli. Okay, now we go further. Comes the Gemara on the top line. The Gemara says... Actually, this subject, whether Megillat Ta'anit is still around after the Beit HaMikdash, or it was nullified, is actually a mahloket tanaim. It's a tanaic argument. Detanya, we have a brayta. Hayyamima elu. These days, haketuvim b'megillat Ta'anit, ben bizman shebet HaMikdash kayam. The days remain Azud Devre, Rabbi Meir. Oh, so we found now the first Tanah, Rabbi Meir, that says Megillah Tani was not Batel, even after the Beit Mikdash. However, who is his counterparts? Rabbi Yose Omer, Asurim. When the Beit Mikdash is around, these days are Asur. Why? Because it's, it's happy times, and therefore happy times, we're going to keep all the. Days of Megillat Ta'anit. And Beit HaMikdash Kayam. But once the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, Mutarim. Those days of Megillat Ta'anit become permissible to fast on. Why? Because now there's Hasbun Shalom, there's no temple, there's mourning. And therefore, those days can revert to become days of fast. Comes the Gabbaran says, What's the bottom line? Halakha. What do we take as Halakha? Vilcheta. 
Batlu. Halakha is, these days were batil. Vehilcheta lo batlu. The halakha is, they were not batil. Now we have a contradiction. Make up your mind what the halakha is. One place it says halakha batil. Another place halakha lo batil. So the Gibbara says, Kasha hilcheta hilcheta. There's a contradiction between the two halakhot. Gibbara answers, la kasha. Kan bahanuka upurim, kan bishar yom hadush. When it comes to Hanukkah and Purim, which by the way are days that are mentioned in Megillah Ta'anit, Hanukkah and Purim, even after the Beit HaMikdash is destroyed, those days are still <laughs> holidays in the sense you cannot fast on them, nor can you eulogize on them. However, every other day, besides Hanukkah and Purim, can come back and become a potential fast day. So therefore the Gemara says, one rabbi said, Hilcheta Batlu. That's on the other days. Hilcheta lo batlu, that's referring to Hanukkah and Purim, which is the only two days in the whole Megillah Ta'alit that's still viable today in our times. After the Beit HaMikdash, that means you cannot fast on them and you cannot eulogize on them. It's two holidays, Hanukkah and Purim. All the other days that we mentioned, for example, the 28th of Adar, where we talked about this miracle of if somebody, rabbis, wanted to declare a fast on the 28th of Adar today, they can why? Because Megillah Ta'anit for all practical purposes is Batil after the temple was destroyed. But then Yar Hanukkah Purim, it still has its ramifications. Comes the Gibran continues. We learned in our Mishnah that they used to dispatch messengers uh, to tell the people when Rosh Chodesh Elul was in the Babel, in the exile. Why was it important for them to know when Rosh Chodesh Elul was? So they'll know when to celebrate Rosh Hashanah. Now, you see, Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the month. So there's no way to dispatch people to the Galu to let them know when Rosh Hashanah is. It's too late. By the time they get there, it's over. So they would have to send them a month before. Now, what is it going to help them a month before? Well, the majority of times, Elul had 29 days. So therefore, by them knowing when Elul was Rosh Hashanah, they would count 29 days from then. Elul's finished. On the 30th day, they would establish it, Rosh Hashanah. And according to the Tosafot that we learned on yesterday's daft, they would actually celebrate two days Rosh Hashanah, the 30th, and the following day, just to make sure that they have the right day. So now we understand why they had to send messengers in Elul to establish the Rosh Hashanah. He said the majority, he didn't say all. Correct, that's why majority, that's what they had to do two days. Tosafot speaks that out. Now, Baal Tishri, they would send messengers also to the Galut to let them know when Rosh Hodesh Tishri was. After it, obviously. Why? So the people could know when Kippur will really be and when Sukkot will be. Which means the people are nervous. The people are a little uh, apprehensive. They don't know when uh, if they're doing Kippur on the right day. They don't know if they're doing Sukkot on the right day. So what did Hakamim say? You know what? Send them out on Tishri. Whatever they did, they did. But at least for the next holidays, for Tikkun Mu'adot, let them go out so they know exactly when the holidays will come out. So comes the Gemara and says, Kevan de nafke lehul a elul. Once you send the messengers out for elul, at tishri lama lehu, which means what do you have to send them out? For Tishri, which means we told you, you count 29 days, 30th day is Tishri, and then do Kippur subsequently do uh, the, the holiday, Sukkot. So give us, Vechitema Dilma Avruha Le'elul. Yeah, because we're worried about maybe really it wasn't a year of majority. Maybe that year Elul had 30 days. And therefore Kippur is going to be the following day. So therefore you got to send them out into the street to know exactly what's going on. Come on, what do you mean? 
ממות עזרא ואילך לא מצינו אלול מעובר. From the time of Ezra, Sofer and An, never did we find Elul, get an extra day. So therefore, what are you worried about? It's always a 29 day. So therefore, once they know already when Elul is, they automatically want Kippur, they know already when Sukkot is. What's the purpose to send them out again on Tishri? Kabra says, Lo matzinu de lo itztarich. Which is when it says we didn't find they ate an extra day to Elul means they never had a purpose to do it. However, ha itztarich me'avrinanleh. But if they had a need, they would add. Which is all the Gemara says, they never did it because a need never arose to do it. But if there was a need to do it, they would do it. So therefore you needed to know exactly when Tishri was, so Kippur will be on the right day. Now what would be this uh, need? So the Mefarshim, uh, later on, the Gemara Dafchaf is going to tell us one of two reasons. Imishum Yarka, Imishum Matya. The Hakamim did not want Shabbat, to be followed by Kippur. They didn't want Kippur to come out on a Sunday. Why don't they want Kippur to come out on a Sunday? So there's two reasons. Number one is because the vegetables. The people when they're going to break their fast, they need to have vegetables. Now, when are they going to be able to pick the vegetables? They're not going to be able to pick the vegetables for the breaking of the fast until, from, until, until Friday. Friday before. They have Shabbat, Sunday, by the time they have the vegetables on Sunday night for the breaking of the fast, they're spoiled already. So therefore, the Hachamim, they always would try to adjust the calendar, not to get Kippur on a Sunday because of vegetables. Another reason is because of the Metim. What's the problem? We know you can't bury on Shabbat, and you can't bury on Kippur. So Barmanat, somebody dies, either on Shabbat or Friday, right before, you're going to have to wait two days before they can bury him until Monday. So I always wouldn't want that. They wanted to make a separation between Shabbat and Kippur. So therefore, in that situation, they would add an extra day to Elul, in order to alleviate these problems. But you see what? It's possible that the Achamim would add an extra day, to the Elul. And therefore, since they would add an extra day to the Elul, it was necessary to dispatch messengers in Tishri in order for them to know the real day. <laughs> so Kippur they'll make on the right day, and Sukkot they'll make on the right day as well. <coughs> the Gemara says like this. says, by doing this, if you're going to add an extra day to Elul, let's say the rabbis deem it fit, you have to add an extra day to Elul. What's going to come out? The people in the exile celebrated the wrong day for Rosh Hashanah. Because according to this, they're going with the 29-day rule. The people in the Galut, they count from Rosh Hashanah 29 days. The 30th day they make Rosh Hashanah. Now you tell me, well, if the rabbis deemed it fit, they would add an extra day to Elul. Hold it. If you add an extra day to Elul, yeah, you're adjusting Yom Kippur and all that stuff. But you're ruining now Rosh Hashanah. Because now the people in Galut, on the 30th day, they celebrate Rosh Hashanah. It's not Rosh Hashanah. It's really the day later. So the Gemara says an amazing thing. Mutar tikalkel Rosh Hashanah velo yitkalkelu kulehu mu'adot. Which means better to let Rosh Hashanah become mikulkal. I mean, let the people celebrate the wrong Rosh Hashanah so long as we can adjust the rest of the holidays. If we can get Kippur on the right day, and we can get Sukkot on the right day, that's more important for us. And even though now we're taking a risk that other people in the Galut celebrate Rosh Hashanah on the wrong day, we'd rather establish the rest of the holidays in the right time, even though it's going to affect when Rosh Hashanah was celebrated. Doesn't the two-day cover it? Correct, correct. That's, that's, according, that's according to the opinion that say it was two days. But according to that she was mashma, that it was only one day. The Gemara continues, 
we have a proof from our Mishnah that what? That the rabbis were concerned about the holidays coming in the right time. Diktani You see clear, the Mishnah said they would dispatch messengers on to Tishri. For what? For Takanata Mu'adot. What was the issue of Takanata Mu'adot? Because you want the holidays to come out at the right time. What do you mean? But you sent already in Elul. Must be because since you could add an extra day to Elul, so therefore the holidays can fluctuate. And therefore, from the fact that the Mishnah says they would send messengers into Shri for Takrat al-Mu'adot, it shows you that we're more concerned about Takrat al-Mu'adot than we are concerned about Rosh Hashanah coming in the right time for the Bnei Gula. Comes the Gibran continues. Gibran says, Ra'al Kislev, we would dispatch people in the month of Kislev, Mipene Hanukkah. So the people would know exactly when to celebrate Hanukkah. Ba'al Adar. And in Adar, of course, because of the holiday of Purim. Kebra says, Now let's say they would add an extra Adar to the year. Now the question is twofold. First of all, which month do you do Purim in the leap year? Do you do Purim in the first month or the second month? And subsequently, then which Adar do you dispatch the uh, the uh, the shalihim. So the Gemara says, Yotzim af al adar sheli hapurim. So the Gemara says like this: That what? Ve'ilu. Read it all together. Ve'ilu netaberashana yotzin af al adar sheli mepnei hapurim lo ketani. The Mishnah does not state that case. The Mishnah doesn't tell us that if there was a second adar that they go out. On the second Adar for Purim. It's mashma that they only go out the first Adar. And even if it's a leap year, they only go out the first Adar. Because otherwise the Mishnah should have gave us the scenario. And if there's two Adarim, you go out on the second. But from the fact that the Mishnah did not give us that case, it's mashma that our Mishnah holds that even if there's two Adarim, you don't send out the Shiri'im for the second Adar. So the Gemara says, Matnitin Delo Kirabi. Must be our Mishnah is not following the B. Why? The Tanya, we have a brighter. The B Omer, Im Nitabera Shana. The B says, if there was a leap year, Yotzin Af Al Adar Hashini. They do go out for Adar Hashini. Why? Mepene Apurim. Because of Purim. So it sounds like at this point the Mahlokan really is when do you celebrate Purim and Lipia? It's much so that our Mishnah holds that when there's a Lipia you still celebrate Purim in the first month. And therefore since you celebrate in the first, celebrate in the first month. There's no reason to send out Shidi in the second month. Because already you sent it out in the first month, that's when you do Purim. Rabbi must hold that you celebrate Purim in the second month. That's why you have to send out so the Gemara says, Let us say that this is the Mahlokan. The opinion of Amishnah says that all the mitzvot that apply in the second Adar can be done in the first Adar. Therefore, you can celebrate Purim in the first Adar. Therefore, there's no need to send out messages for the second Adar because already they can do Purim in the first. Pesah, you send for Nisan. You're sending Nisan anyway. So we'll get to your question. Yes, your good question. You're asking another question. You're asking, what do you mean? You have to send out uh, messages so they'll know it's a leap year. Just forget about uh, when Purim is. Shouldn't you have to send out for the Adar Shini just so they know there's a second Adar? So the Tosfot answers this question. Tosfot says you don't have to. Why? Because we used to send out messages for Nisan. Correct? Now, when the people in the Galut see that the messengers from Nisan didn't get there, automatically they're going to know that there's two Adarim. So for that, there's a way out. So the Gemara wants to say that what Umar Sabar and the Bimasol, Kol Mitzvot Anogot Besheni, Endo Agot Barishon. 
And therefore, since he said that you cannot do Purim in the first month, Purim can only be done in the second month, therefore you have to send the messengers in the second month. So let's review quickly. The Gemara wants to say like this. Al Mishnah gave six months when the messengers have to go out to let the people in the Galut know when Rosh Chodesh was. One of the months was Adar. Why do you have to know Adar? When Purim is. So the Gemara says, hold it. There's a case the Mishnah did not list. What about a leap year? How come it didn't say in the leap year you have to send them out in the second month? So you know what Purim is. Must be that Amishnah holds, you could do Purim in the first month. So there's no reason to send them out in the second month. However, Rabbi holds that no, you have to send them out in the second month. Because obviously he must hold that the holiday of Purim in the leap year is celebrated in the second month. So Gemara says, no, no, that's not the Mahloket. Everybody holds that Purim is only done in the second month. Oh, so it's only done in the second month. How come Al Mishnah says you don't send out uh, uh, messengers? The argument over here is on the mechanics of a leap year. The uh, Tanya we have a brayta. Kama ibur shana lamid yom, which means when we make the ibur shana, which means the first adar, right? How many days is in the first Adar before you make a leap year? That's the way that she says. How many days? So one rabbi says, He says it's 30 days. Which is the first Adar is 30 days. And then the next Adar will be on the 31st day. However, Rashbag Omer, Chodesh. Rashbag says no. The first Adar is only 29 days. And the... Second Adar begins when? On the 30th day. So comes the uh, Gemaran, comes along and says, which means we're thinking now that there's a Mahloket now, when you have a leap year. The first Adar, how many days is it before you make the leap? So one rabbi says, no, it's a full 30 day and then your 31st day is Adar Shini. Second opinion says, no, 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 no. It's a Chodesh, it's a month. What does a month mean? 29 days, and then you add the 30th day would be the leap year. So the Gemara says, and therefore the Gemara is coming along and now assuming that with this answer, that's why you don't have to send people on the second uh, second Adar, because they'll know, I mean, they just count, which means they know exactly what you're sending already on the first Adar. Correct? Once they when the first Adar is, either opinion. You count 29 days, you know the 30th is the next Rosh Chodesh. Or according to the other opinion, you count 30, and the 31st day. So there's never a reason to send for the second Adar, because it's always set, either according to this opinion, or according to that opinion. So they'll always know when the second Adar is. So the Gibbara says, Which is hold it. Just like you're telling me, that they'll know it, because it's the 30th day, which means if it's 29 days, they'll also, which means, whatever opinion you're going to hold, if you hold, it's 30 or 20, no opinion should say, you have to send. But we're saying it's a mahlokit if you have to send. What's the mahlokit? You tell me the mahlokit is, if the first is a 30 or a 29. So you tell me, what's the logic? If it's a 30, well, everybody knows, the first Adar is... 30, and therefore there's no reason to send to the second month, because they know, you just, whenever the first Adar is, you count 30, 31st is Adar Shini. 
So the Gemara says, so for the same opinion that says it's 29, you also just count 29, and the 30 is going to be Adar Hashani. The Gemara at this point is assuming that's the Mahlokit. The opinion that says you don't have to send holds 30. The opinion says you have to send holds 29. What are you talking? Just like they know when 30, they'll know when 29 is, which is what's the purpose? So the Gemara, Amar Papa, Man da Amar Chodesh. The opinion that says the first month is 29 days, Ratsa Chodesh, Ratsa Shloshim. It can be either or. It could either be 29 or it could be 30. So since the first Adar can fluctuate either 29 or 30, you're going to have to send Shadi'im for when the second Adar is. Because it's not an automatic. According to the first opinion, it's an automatic. The first Adar always has 30 days. So he says, you know, what do you have to send messengers for? Once they know when the Adar is number one, they'll just count 30. Bingo, 31 is uh, Adar Shani. According to the second opinion, we thought he was only saying it has to be 29. Yeah, he's saying, no, no. It's either 29 or 30. So 29 or 30 can fluctuate between one of two days. Since it can fluctuate between one of two days, you're going to have to send out Shudhi'im to let them know when Adar Shani actually falls out. He'id Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi testified, Mishum kehada kaddishad Yerushalayim. From the Kahal Kadosh, the holy congregation of Yerushalayim. The holy congregation of Yerushalayim was a certain group of rabbis that would be like the, uh, the great Hakamim of Yerushalayim. So they would nickname them Kahal Kadosh of Yerushalayim. And what was the testimony? Al Shene Adarim. When it came to a year where you have two Adarim, Shemekadeshin Otam Biyom Eburehin. Which means you would sanctify the months on the Yom Ibur. Now what is Yom Ibur? Yom Ibur is the 30th day. Right? They call Yom Ibur. Now what does Yom Ibur literally mean? The pregnant day. The Yom Ibur. Because on a month, that would be a full month, they would add the 30th to the month. And then the Shadr the 31st day. So they call the day 30 is Yom Ibur. The impregnated day, that's the day that would be added. So the rabbis testified over here that what? When you have two Adarim, the Rosh Chodesh is always on Yom Ibud of both of them. Meaning, it's always on 30. 30 Adar Rishon and 30 Adar Sheni. That's what he testified. The Memra, the Haserin Avdinan. Implying that what? That you always make the months of Adar Haser. They're 29 days, both of them. And then the 30th day becomes Rosh Chodesh. Again, if he's telling you that you make the Rosh Chodesh on the Yom Ibud for both of them, that means what? Both Adarim are Haser. That means they're both 29ers, and the 30th day becomes the Rosh Chodesh. But you never make Adar Maleh. Because if you made it Maleh, then Rosh Chodesh would be on the 31st day. So the Gemara says, This is to the exclusion from the Derashah of Nachman Bar Hazda. Why? He'id Rav Simai, that he had a testimony in the name of Rav Simai, Mishum Hagai Zechariah Umalachi, from the Prophets. Hagai Zechariah Umalachi, as Shnei Adarim. Regarding the two Adarim, Shi'im Ratzul Asodam Shneem Mele'im Osim. Shneem Haserin Osim. Echad Maleb, Echad Haser Osim. Vekakayu Noagim Bagola. Which is according to this testimony, you can do whatever you want when it comes to Adarim. You want to make both of them Maleh, do it. You want to make both of them Haser, do it. One Haser, one Maleh, do it. So because we have a fantastic Mahlokit, how to establish Ne Adarim. The first opinion says, no, no, no. Always Adarim, the 30th day, that's the day where you establish Rosh Chodesh Adar Rishon and Adar Shnimim. Both of them are Haser. But the testimony here from the Prophets was, no, Adarim is open. 
both maleh, both haser or one haser and one maleh, either option is accepted. Umishum rabbenu amru, but in the name of rabbenu, who's rabbenu? Rashi says rabbenu was actually rav. They referred to him as rabbenu. So the Gemara says he says leolam ehad maleh ehad haser. In the exile, the way they treat Adar, two Adarim, they always make one a 29er, and the next one a 30er. Ad shivadalecha shiugbar roshchodesh bezmano. Until they get word from Eretz Yisrael exactly what happened, their mode of operation is what? One day, one month, 29, one day, 30. Until they get an actual uh, reading when it is. But that's the way they're supposed to act. They're supposed to act one chaser and one maleh. So again, you see big uh, controversy over here. Exactly how to deal with the two adarim. Kebarah says, Shalchode lemor They sent a message to mor ugbah. Adar asamuk Nisan. Okay, the adar that's close to Nisan. That would be adar sheni. Right? Or the adar that's right next to Nisan. Le'olam Hasir. He said, that's always a 29er. Okay, so he gives them uh, that klal as well. Matif Rav Nachman. So Rav Nachman has a question. There's two months a year with the people that are dispatched to the exile. They're allowed to mehalal Shabbat to get there. How would they mehalal Shabbat? On Shabbat, you're only allowed to walk a certain distance outside the city. That's called the Tchum Shabbat. However, when it comes to two months of the year, we tell the witnesses, you can go on Shabbat. What do you mean by I'm traveling outside the Tchum? Doesn't matter, you got to get there. they got to know exactly when these uh, when the Chodesh is. Which two months do you let the witnesses be mehalal Shabbat? Al-Nisan al Tishri. Why? Those are the key months. Nisan, you got to know when Pesach is. Tishri, you have to know when... When Sukkot is, when Kippur is, when Sukkot is. So the Gemara, what are you talking about? I Amar Pishlama Zimnin Malay Zimnin Hasir Mishumachi Mahalalina. If you tell me that the last Adar, sometimes it's Hasir and sometimes it's Malay, that's why you got to get the witnesses there and you can tell them to be Mahalal Shabbat because since the last Adar fluctuates, the people are not going to know when Pesach is. However, but if you tell me that the last Adar is always 29 days, what's the Hilul? Which means once they know already when Nosh Chodesh Adar is. Don't, don't we send dispatches? Don't we send them for Nosh Chodesh Adar? Yes, the Purim. They know Adar. If you tell me that Adar is always 29 days before Pesach, before Nisan, so what's, what do you have to send? What do you have to be Mahalil Shabbat? The people will know that Adar was a 29er. They'll count 29 days. The 30th day they'll make. Nisan, 14 days, 15 days later, they'll make Pesach, and there's no problem. Which means, what do you have to be Mechalel Shabbat over What's the crisis that's going to come out? He says, I understand the crisis will be, if you say that the last Adar fluctuates. If you say the last Adar sometimes is Haseh, sometimes is Maleh, hey, you better get those witnesses there. Because these guys are not going to know what to do Pesach. They might be eating Hametz on the last day of Pesach. They might be, make a mistake over here, these guys. So send them. But if you're just telling me a statement of Mor'ubba, that says the Adar before Nisan is always 29 days, and these guys know when Adar is, because we sent already the month before when Adar is. So they'll count 29. The next day, 30, they'll make Nisan, and Pesach is an automatic. What are you getting so panicky that you have to send Mehalil Shabbat for these months? So Tarat, the Gemara comes along and says, the final answer, Mishum the mitzvah le Kadesh ala Jeez, there's a special mitzvah to make the Kiddusha Chodesh according to the witnesses. Like the Pasuk says, look at Rashi in the second line, 
It's a mitzvah to sanctify the month according to witnesses. Which means the Torah comes along and says, Now, okay, so I, I just want to backtrack one second, and I want to stand corrected. Please. When we said that you're Shabbat, the Halil Shabbat was as follows. The witnesses that are coming to the Beit HaMikdash, not the Shidihim that are going to the exile. The witnesses that are going to the Beit HaMikdash to give a testimony that they saw the new moon. Normally we say, they don't have Shabbat. If they're coming to the Beit HaMikdash, it's going to necessitate them to leave the Tum Shabbat. We tell them, no, no, just stay in place. And Beitim will automatically establish Rosh Chodesh by themselves, without the witnesses. Because if the witnesses don't show up by a certain day, automatically Beitim just sanctifies the month by default. But there's two months with the witnesses that see the new moon, we tell them, Mehalel Shabbat, get there. What months do we want them to get there? We want them to get there for Nisan. So hold it. What do you got to let them get there for Nisan? <coughs> I thought it's automatic. If you tell me that Adar is always 29, so the rabbis in the Beit HaMikdash on day 30, they're always going to establish it as Rosh Chodesh Nisan. So whether the witnesses show up or they don't show up, the rabbis in the Beit HaMikdash are always going to say on day 30, Mekudash HaKodesh. Because you give me a rule now, that Adar is always 29. So what are you making such a fuss to get the Edim there on uh, day 30? It's automatic. Right, it's automatic. Everybody says. Now if you tell me that Adar can fluctuate, I know why you're rushing the Edim. But if Adar doesn't fluctuate, so the Gemara says you're right. If the Edim don't show up, we're making Rosh Chodesh Nisan on day 30. But you know what? It's a mitzvah to do it with the witnesses. It's a mitzvah to hear their testimony in order to say it was mikudash. How do you know it's a mitzvah? Because the pasuk says, "Hachodesh azelachem, Rosh Chodesh Hashem." Moshe Rabbeinu was taken out by God. God showed him the moon. Did you see the moon? Kazera evikadesh. When the witnesses will see the moon like this, you sanctify Rosh Chodesh. So while it's possible for Betin to do an automatic, we'd rather the witnesses. Come. The only question then is, so then every month, so then every month, the Svat Emet asks this question, which is according to what we're saying now, what do you tell me, only uh, Nisan of Tashri? If you tell us in to have the witnesses uh, see the new moon, the Chaurat should be, for all 12 months here, we should have to be Mehalel Shabbat. How does she want to answer this question and say that you're right? For every month, it's a mitzvah to have Kiddush Alpi, the witnesses. But you know what? To break Shabbat, we're going to only allow Shabbat to be broken unless there's a tikkun for the Mu'adot. For the holidays, to bring the Korbanot. Baruch al